And now, Canada Hoops, hosted by Maddie Ireland. Welcome back to Canada Hoops. It's your boy, Matty. We're grateful to hit episode 10 of Canada Hoops. Remember, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, and Canada Hoops is now available on Facebook as well. I hope everyone's staying safe and healthy, and remember to take care of each other. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining me now on Canada Hoops, representing Ajax, Ontario, is a former Pickering High Trojan, Illinois State Redbird, a two-time national champion, Carlton Raven, and a man who answers the call when Canada basketball rings him up. He is Keza Kajami Keen. Keza, how you doing today, man? Good, good. How are you? I'm good, man. I uh, appreciate you coming on. And I know we had to kind of line up uh, the time difference. You're in France right now and, uh, and whatnot, but I, I appreciate the effort, man. No, no, yeah. I'm glad it worked out and time difference and all it was able to happen. You know, it's something that's good for the community. Yeah, I was really excited to to get you on. I've been a big fan of you uh, and your game and your career and your journey and uh, the stops you've made and the the contribution you've made to the game and the country. Uh, I always like to ask everybody when we start, you know, given the pandemic right now, how are you managing that and and how have you made out with it? Oh, I've been good, man. It's uh, it's obviously tough what's going on with the world right now, you know, and uh, it's something that we're all growing from, we're learning from, but. Personally, for me, uh, it's been it was it's it's been interesting because me I moved away when I was like 14, 15 to go to private school in the state. So it was weird uh, coming home in March uh, when I did. I went home to my parents, right, and I was there with them for like four or five months. It was the longest I had seen them in since I was fourteen. So it was, it was nice in a sense because I got to talk to my mom more than I ever had in the past. Got to talk to my dad more and spend a lot of time with my cousins that live with us. So. Uh, for me, it was actually like pretty good to get back to like my roots of my family and, and stuff like that, and then back on a plane back to Europe. So that's cool. I mean, uh, and you're in France right now. Uh, you're playing. Uh, you guys still have a season going on. How's the How's the season going for you right now? Man, it's 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 been tough for uh, for us over here. Like the season will go for like a couple weeks, then stop, then go, then stop. You know, so. I think that is uh, is something that's tough for like players. You don't want to constantly be going and stopping and going. But we've only played six games, and I've been here since beginning of August. You know, so that's that. And we don't have fans. We're not allowed to have fans in the in the arenas, and we're on curfew here at eight p.m. So it's been definitely something that's uh, you have to adjust adjust to and kind of go day by day, week by week. But I'm playing basketball. I'm getting paid. You know, there's, there's there's bigger issues out there than mine that I have. So I, I'm grateful for the, the situation I'm in. No, that's cool. And it's uh, it's always been interesting to hear everyone's, uh, you know, take on the pandemic and how it affects them differently. You know, uh, some people aren't playing at all. Yeah. Uh, some people uh, are just really struggling to get by. Um you know, so and in different parts of the world, obviously, have different uh, restrictions and whatnot. So it's been a, a crazy year. And, uh, you know, I think we're all going to be optimistic that, that 2021 will be a, a better year. Well. 
Yeah, let's cross our fingers on that one. <laughs> let's hope and pray, man. Uh, right. <laughs> let's uh, let's get into your passion, man, and, and your journey and how basketball started for you. Um, did you play other sports, like, or was basketball always your first love? And how did how did the game get introduced to you, man? So I actually played baseball first. My first sport was baseball, and uh, I ran track as well. But baseball was my first love. Uh, my grandfather on my mom's side, huge baseball, like big time player and stuff like that. So that was my first love. But how I got introduced to basketball was actually my older sisters. Uh, my my older sister, my dad gave her the choice when she was like nine or ten. He asked her, like, "What sport do you want to play?" And she chose basketball, and then it was kind of like the little brother thing, you know. And I just I have like stories of her like dragging me to outdoor courts. Like she would just put her hand on my head and just like we walk to the court, and then she'd be out there playing. And then when she would stop playing, she'd be like, you know, tell me to go shoot around. And then from there, it just kind of grew and it became something where like I wanted to follow in her footsteps. So basketball for me was introduced through my sister. And then from there, I just kind of constantly was always just following her and following what I wanted to become through her. Yeah. She's a, she's a pretty good hooper in her own right. eh? Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, in my eyes, she's one of the greatest Canadian female players ever. She played. Right. He stayed Big Ten Player of the Year, played in the EuroLeague. So uh, she has a, a career that's pretty pretty exceptional. And uh, Is she coaching right now, correct? Yeah, they both coach. Uh, yeah. My sister coaches at Binghamton University, yeah. and uh, my oldest sister coaches at Long Island University. And how are their, uh, how are their seasons going when, when they're trying to manage this as well? It's, uh, it's interesting. My oldest sister, their team, I think, has played two games that she's saying it's tough with travel and uh, if anybody gets in contact with anybody, they got to sit out for, I think it's like seven to 10 days. So they've been running into issues. Recruiting is so hard right now. You can't go see anybody. So it's all out of like FaceTime and, and stuff like that. And uh, it's definitely learning, but you know, it, my sister, my middle sister said something the other day and it was interesting. She was like, this makes you see like the kids that really love basketball. You know what I mean? Cause it's not about the glam no more and not about the fans in the stadium. It's about who's going to like, basically buckle down and let's win basketball games, go to the gym and work out. It's true, you know, and I think that's something that's been pretty interesting to learn about through them. Yeah, it's been cool to see, you know, how people have kind of furthered the game during this uh, at, at every level, you know, and, uh, you know, you can see who people, which people, you know, still trying to improve and, and you know, get better, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you start playing hoops, Keza, and, uh, you know, kind of taking after your sister and uh, loving the game. Uh, when you're a young hooper there, who did you idolize? Who did you really look up to and want to I want to be like on the court? Uh, well, first, obviously, my sister, you know, she she kind of reminded me a lot of like Maddie Johnson. Like, you know, she was six one, six two, so pretty big girl, could pass the ball, could rebound, could kind of play with pace and stuff like that. And then after that, I really liked Steve Nash. Obviously, being a Canadian kid, him being in the NBA, seeing this guy who's the MVP of the NBA and stuff like that. But um, somebody that nobody really, like, gives his credit, that was my, like, idol growing up. Like, I wanted to be like this guy a lot was Mike Bibby. Like, I loved his game. Yeah, I just loved his game. I loved how he played. He played with great pace, shot the ball well, you know, and, like, that was one thing I, I thoroughly enjoyed about his game. He played on a very good Sacramento Kings team that got you know, a championship stolen from them, but we're not going to talk about that. Right. But, uh, yeah, and I really like those three. Those were the three I kind of emulated my game after as I was growing up. 
Well, that's cool. And I mean, uh, I think a lot of us in Canada are big Steve Nash fans. And um, have you had a chance kind of through your time with the national team and the program? Have you had a chance to cross paths with him? Or? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's a funny story. I was in uh, the ninth grade and he was in town for a game or something. And uh, I was playing for Grassroots Canada and we had a connection somehow. And so he put on like a little clinic for maybe like 12 of us on Grassroots Canada to come and work out with him. And my dad picked me up from school. We drove down to the ACC and we worked out with him. And like, it was kind of interesting. I mean, him had like a little bond right away, you know, and he took pictures and stuff like that. And then uh, years went by and I remember like sending him the picture. And he was like, I remember this day. You know, I remember like this. And then kind of having that dialogue from uh, from then and then him now being part of Canada basketball and stuff like that is uh, it's exceptional that we have someone like that that we could reach out to and get tips on how to play the game that he's obviously great at. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's an icon in the country and, uh, you know, it's exciting that he's he's a leader for the program, um, you know, and an ambassador. And uh, I hope he does well in Brooklyn this year. I, I've kind of jumped on the Brooklyn ride and I, I hope they can get him a chip, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have an excuse, you know. I just say my sister lives there, so I could root for Brooklyn now. There, there you go. Excuse, I'm going to run with it. I like it. Um. I'll be honest, man. I, I don't know a ton about your high school career and that kind of excites me. I, I like to learn something new about people all the time. Um, you know, what was your, your time in high school like uh, within Canada and the competition? And then I know you, you went to a, a private school, but can you just let us know a little bit more about that? Yeah. So uh, going into high school, Pickering High is the school in our, in our region. Uh, and we were doing exceptionally well at the time. You know, they had just come off winning multiple offseason championships with Corey, with DeVoe, and Jamal Miles, and Dwayne Smith, and these type of guys, right? And um, a lot of guys in that area, the Durham area, we all went to Pickering. You know, you had your random uh, guys, like really talented guys that would go to other schools, like Jamal Reynolds, the Pine Ridge, and, and stuff like that. But most of us went to Pickering High. And um, I started there. and. In my grade nine season, it was something that like nobody knew was going to happen. But we had the legendary coach Ron Parfit come out of retirement to coach. Okay. So when he came out of retirement to coach, he wanted to coach the grade nine team. So I was like in the decision: do I play junior with the older guys, or do I just get coached really well by this coach? And, you know, I sat down with my parents and my dad and uh, my parents and uh, coach, and I just talked about it. And he thought, like, I think I could help you improve a lot. And um, we went that route. So I didn't play junior. I played midget. And, man, it was an exceptional team. We had a team, I think we ended up having six or seven guys go and play in the States, Division One. And, you know, you had Habubakar Mutombo. You had Donal <clears throat> Munda. Different guys go to play in the States. And then we had Mikhail McIntosh as well. And, uh, that's how I started in grade nine. Then in grade 10, I made the jump where I started playing senior team, you know, and our team uh, good as well. We had, I think we went into off the rank number one and we had a, a strong team and, and stuff like that. But we were very young. We started with three 10th graders. So, it's, you know, when you're playing against a lot older, a lot stronger players, it was, it was a little tougher. But I learned a lot. I loved my time at Pickering High School. And, I, you know, and looking back on it now, I kind of wish I would have stayed. You know, I think as a basketball player, staying would have been the best thing because I ended up going to a mid-major school in the end. It's not like I went to a power five school, so I probably could have got recruited from Pickering to a mid-major school. 
and just missing out on like certain things that the average kid gets to do, you know. But I decided with my family that we were going to go to private school, and I left to North Carolina, where I went to private school in North Carolina for my last two years, and I loved my experience there. I grew up a lot. And I had to, you know, kind of figure out how to get through life. You know, I was a lot younger, and uh, I really enjoyed. It. I still have relationships with people from North Carolina to this day. So, uh, with the last two years down in, in North Carolina, that that put you in a position to, you know, get recruited uh, and look at your offers. What, um, you know, what kind of offers were you looking at at that time uh, when you were getting ready to go to college? Uh, I was getting high, I was getting pretty highly recruited, but the thing that happened with me was I switched classes. So initially I was in the 2013 class with, you know, uh, Tyler Ennis, uh, who else was in that class, Dwayne Notice, like that was our class. But I had already all my credits you know, and I kind of felt like I could probably leave to go to school right now and go that route. So, and I did good in school. So I was like, ah, oh, like, let's just go right away. And then when I did that, a lot of schools took off the offers because they didn't want me for that class. You know, and one of the schools that I really wanted to go to was Arizona. And that's what happened. You know, they were recruiting at the time, but they felt like we don't need you for this class. So we don't really want to offer you a scholarship by class. And, you know, and I lost a lot of scholarships, but that was the choice I made. You know, I had to live with that. And, in the end, I ended up taking visits to Pittsburgh. I took a visit to Rhode Island. I took a visit to Illinois State. Um, and uh, me and my family just felt like Illinois State at the time was, was the best thing for us. And uh, you commit to Illinois State and played two, there, two years there, correct? Yeah, two years. So uh, what was that time at, at Illinois State like in terms of just on and off the floor and that adjustment? Um, off the floor, I loved Illinois State. Like I still have really good relationships with some of my teammates from there, and okay. uh, a lot of people that I'm really close with. And you know, I think I think what happened was uh, I was still very young mentally and physically, and, and I kind of rushed getting into that program in the sense of like I needed more time to develop. And I think uh, when I got there, I wasn't doing the things to put myself in a position to develop. And NCAA basketball, college basketball, anywhere now, anywhere basketball, it's about performance. Who's going to help us in basketball games? And at that time, I wasn't doing that for them, you know, and they felt that and they decided to over-recruit me. And uh, it's it's kind of how the business works. So when you get over-recruited, now you have a choice. You could stay and um, play behind somebody and, and kind of figure it out there. Or you could say, you know what, maybe it's going to work out. Let's go on a different path. And uh, that's the path I took. And, you know, the at the time you're 18, you're, you're blaming a lot of it on them. You know what I mean? Like why are they not playing? But looking back on it now, there's definitely some things I should have taken ownership with and, uh, and gone from there, but you know, you live and you learn. And then you, you go to Cleveland state, right? For yeah. Yeah. And was your sister playing there at the time? Is that kind of why you went there as well? Uh, she wasn't there at the time, but she had gone to Cleveland state before. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a that's a fun story, Cleveland State. That's true. Oh, let's, let's hear it. Let's get into it there. Um, so when I was transferring, uh, I was spending the summer in Hamilton working out with Kyle Julius, great okay. trainer. Yeah. Um, and I was going that route, but I wasn't really getting. I only averaged two and a half points in Illinois State, so a lot of schools aren't really intrigued by that. So I wasn't really getting offered too much, and then uh, it was definitely a lower point in my career, and I was contemplating just saying, let's just call it quits, let's just get your degree and go from there. And, um, you know, I have, I'm glad I had good friends. Like Dwayne Notice, who you were talking about, one of my really good friends. And 
he kind of seen that. So he kept saying, like, come on, let's go work out. Let's let's do, let's continue to improve. Let's, and it pushed me and it made me consistently go to the gym and work out and get better. And uh, basically Kyle came and he said, hey, what about going to SCIS school? At the time, I was a little hesitant. I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't, because, I, you know, in, uh, back in, like, 2013, like, going to CIS, like, no, no chance, you know. Right. But uh, he's like, you should go on a visit. So I went to the visit to Carlton. I loved it. It was really good. You know, I enjoyed my time. I, I thought I could be successful there. But I still kind of had that, like, Division One dream in the back of my head. So I had told Dave, uh, Dave Smart, my coach at the time, I had told him, like, I think I'm going to come here, you know? So he's like, okay, like go home, take your time. I had applied for classes and all that. And, all that. and then uh, I got home and my sister was there and I was a little out of shape. So she was saying, Hey, I'm going to Cleveland this weekend. Did you want to come and you could work out and stuff? I was like, all right, I'll come with you to go to Cleveland. I went to Cleveland and they were playing open gym at Cleveland state with the team. And I was playing, I was playing really well. And the coach saw, and he said, uh, where do you play? And I said, right now I, don't play anywhere. I just transferred. And he said, it's crazy. We just got a scholarship offer opened. Would you be, would you be interested in coming here? And I was like, sure. <laughs> we sat down, we negotiated. And then, uh, yeah, we came with that, that agreement that we had for, um, that we could work something out between the two of us. But the where I say it's funny is I didn't tell anybody about this. Like only people that knew was me, my mom, my dad, my sisters, like, and the Cleveland State uh, people. And, like, a week goes by, and nobody's messaging me, always talking to me. And then Dave Smart just texting me out of nowhere. And he's just like, so you're going to Cleveland State? And I was like, how do you know this? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Thing in the world, you know? And he's like, you know, I, I wish you good luck, good fortune, like, be successful. I hope everything works out and whatnot. And, was very cordial. A lot of coaches would have been like, you screwed me over, you know, but no, he was very cordial and we maintained a relationship after that. And um, you head back to Canada and you do end up playing at Carleton. Yeah. Um, was there going to be any other school to possibly play at back in Canada or was this, if you were coming back, it was going to be Carleton and that's it? Yeah, I was only going to go to Carleton. That was the only school. Well, it paid off for you, man. Um, you know, two-time national champion there, two-time All-Canadian. You get to play for uh, Coach Dave Smart, who, you know, a lot of us in Canada know is uh, a legend and uh, built uh, Carleton in such a legacy and a dynasty. Why do you think Carleton is like that, where they just have this consistent winning, um, you know, this culture there that just, just breeds winners? I think Carleton created a culture that, you don't, you can't see reciprocated anywhere else, you know, and it creates a, a bond between the players and the coaches that it's unexplainable. And it's hard for me, like when I try to explain it to other people, it's hard for them to understand because they'll see us have these conversations or they'll see, you know, Dave on the sideline yelling and screaming, but they don't understand like the backdrop, like the things that go on in the background. You know what I mean? Right. He's right. built that relationship with his players to be able to do that. Like I remember one time it was a quiet gym and we were playing and Dave was just screaming on me. And I was just there like, yep, I got you, you know? And I went out and we won the game by whatever. And uh, I remember somebody after the game with my friends, like, why does he yell at you so loud? Like, Duh. And I was like, yeah, well, he also just watched film with me for four hours yesterday and took time out of the day to, you know, make sure I was good. So it's like 
people don't understand that the culture that is at that at Carleton University is, is it's one of a kind, and that's why you're going to reach success because you know culture matters, and that's what we have there. And um, you know, you, you bring up a little few points on, on Coach Smart, but what's it? You know, what's it like to have that relationship with them to play for him, but then you know also be a guy who's moved on from the program and to just to have that connection with them now, what what's, what's coach smart like for, for a player? He's unbelievable. He's, you know, it's the greatest coach I've ever had by far, you know, and I played for a lot of coaches and, uh, and to me, yeah, like the basketball part of it is, is, you know, it's, it's top notch that I've had I've played for really good coaches, him, you know, Nick nurse, my coach that I have now in, in France where you're playing, like these guys really, really know basketball, right? And, but for me, with Dave, is our relationship that happened that we grew to have off the court. And, you know, just if I have time to tell a quick story. Like, when I graduated, I had no money. You know what I mean? I did, I'm just graduating college. And I wanted to stay in Ottawa to work out. And, you know, now I'm not his player, so it doesn't break any rules or anything. And he said, hey, come live with me. You could live with me for the month. Whatever you need will be fine. And you could work out. And it's like... People don't see that side of Dave Smart, but that's the type of person he is. You know, he really cares about his players, genuinely wants to see them succeed. And I think that's something that uh, helped our relationship be where it is today, is that he cared more about me as a person than he did as a basketball player. Well, that's cool, man. And uh, you kind of hit me all the feels because I just, um, you're bringing up a point that I just kind of had happen in my life where I reconnected with my coach from growing up who, um, you know, and, and recorded with him on the previous episode before our conversation today. And just to be able to reflect now and, and see what, you know, he did, he did for us uh, as players and as people is just amazing. And I, I love to hear those stories and because um, the end of the day, you know, wins and losses are going to come and go and, and whatever your experience is in the game, but it, those relationships are, are always going to be there. And um, that's the impact that you want to see people have on others, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's really important. That's cool, man. Um, so you finish up at Carleton. Uh, you come out of there a big-time winner, and you're getting ready to turn pro. Uh, what were your options like when you were getting ready to turn pro? And I know you, you, you suited up with the Raptors 905 in the G League, but were there other uh, options maybe overseas as well? No, uh, actually, um, you know, the part of professional basketball that many people don't discuss is, is agents, you know, signing with the agent and, and going that route. And, Right. Uh, first time around, I picked you know an incorrect agent, somebody that sold me the dream, but didn't really have the accolades to follow with it, and uh, I didn't really have any type of offers over in Europe at all. My for coming out, and it was obviously a little frustrating. You're looking around, and you're like, I just won national MVP for the finals. I'm all Canadian. I have no way to go over to Europe, and you're seeing other people go over. Right. But it was, you know, God's bless, God's blessing that um, uh, my trainer and coach. And a really close family friend, Nate Mitchell, was an assistant for the Raptors 905, and I was working out with him. And right. uh, he just kind of invited me to come help out with the Toronto Raptors um, training camp, like pre-training camp with the young players and say, hey, you could work out, you could practice and play. And I was playing really well. And Coach Dacko saw me there. And, you know, he, he said, hey, you should you should come play for us at Nat Raptors 905. I think it's a really good stepping stone and something that you could do it. You know, at the time I looked and I was like, hey, it allowed me to improve coming into my first year as a pro. I could be with Nate, who's going to work uh, work me out and get me to become the basketball player I wanted to be and teach me. And it was kind of a win-win for me, so I went with that. 
And what was your experience like with the 905? I mean, uh, the Raptors as an organization, you know, have done a great job developing guys, and then you're getting to play under some some true legends too. And, um, you know, can you just touch on that experience as a whole? It was great, man. It was, it was, it was one of the experiences that I think allowed me to propel to have a successful career in, in Europe. Right. Um, that team was really, really good. You know, people. You guys were good. Yeah, we had yeah. friends around who plays in the Euro League. We had Kenny Meech who plays in top leagues. We had three, four NBA players, you know. And right. uh, the thing that was good was I'd get to practice against them. I'd get to see how they move. I'd get to see how they operate on and off the court and then, you know, go from there. And obviously I didn't get to play the amount of minutes or play how I wanted to play in the sense of, like, I'm playing behind the MVP of the league. So, you know, it's it's I'm not going to play 40 minutes a game. But I think the experience of being able to be trained by Nate consistently every day and learn from Coach Stackhouse and how he viewed the game and how he understood the game was something that I couldn't pass up. And like I said, it was one of the, it's what allows me to be successful in Europe at this point. That's cool. I like to hear that. And, uh, you know, it sets you up to go overseas. Uh, you played 2018 in the Netherlands. Uh, you're the playoff MVP in the, in the Dutch Basketball League. And then you moved to Germany. Last year, you're now in France. Um, what have you enjoyed most so far about your time and, and your experience overseas? Um, I'd say off the court is just experiencing different cultures. You know I mean, uh, trying new foods, seeing new places, um, things like that have been something that you know I got to be grateful for. I get to travel the world to put a ball in a basket. It doesn't get much better than that, you know. And that's one thing I think off the court I've been really appreciative of. I always got to try and get out and see the cities that I live in and stuff like that. I think on the court, um, what's really been something that I've enjoyed is it, is basketball in Europe is very team-based. Like you're not going to win games unless you have a good team and play together and be successful together. And that's how I play. You know, I think at Carlton, I definitely got taught how to be a, a good point guard and understand the game, understand the flow of the game, how to get people in the right positions, use ball screens and, now using that in Europe and being successful is uh, something that I take great pride in. Well, and I know this this season is a little unorthodox to say the least in France, but uh, with your stops so far, um, what's been your favorite stop so far between all, all your places there? Uh, they, I think personally, Holland was was unbelievable. You know, just lifestyle. Uh, the people there are wonderful. The cities are lovely. You know, the lifestyle in Holland was amazing. And obviously we had a good team. I had a great relationship with my teammates. So that was even like, you know, on the cake. And then in Germany, the level of basketball was, was you know, one of the highest in the world. You had to play against Bayern Munich, Alba Berlin, EuroLeague teams. And right. Great teams. So it's like playing at that level and getting to compete against these guys was special. And then now you add it all together in France where you have beautiful cities, you have outstanding people i could speak the language and then the basketball is you know top three in europe top four in europe so i think all kind of give different things but uh at this point i would say france has been probably my my favorite stop just based on the the style of basketball you know i I love the lifestyle in holland though that's cool man i uh i need to get a little better on my my euro league stuff but uh you know I'm, i'm learning lots because i follow you you know, I'm following other other Canadian hoopers there, so it's I always like to learn more about the the European uh, game. Uh, Kaza, you know, Canada hoops. We like to focus on Canada basketball, and 
the Canadian Hoopers, um, you know, and, and give love to the program. Um, you know, you got an opportunity to play with the senior national team in uh, 2017 in a qualifier for the World Cup um, for your first game. To do a little research for our conversation, I just was reading an article on um, Canada Basketball's website just about what that meant to you to get that opportunity to, to play for the national team. And, you know, and then you get to play in a qualifier in Oshawa in front of friends and family in 2019, leading up to the World Cup. What, um, you know, is it safe to say that playing for Canada basketball on the, on the national team at that level has been like the highlight of your career so far? Yeah, it's the, it's the greatest accomplishment I've ever, I've ever had as a basketball right. And, um, you know, what's been like your best memories so far in the experience of just being able to represent the country and then, um, you know, playing along some guys maybe you didn't play with before and just getting to make new uh, friendships? Yeah, I would say my greatest memory first would be my first ever game in the senior men's team over here in Nova Scotia. Right. I had butterflies in my stomach and yeah. you know, like a kid in a candy, like candy store because I knew I had been dreaming to, to do that my whole life. I grew up watching Jermaine Anderson, Javon Shepard, Joel, and like watching these guys on the senior men's team and wanting to be there and then getting that opportunity was, was something I definitely took great pleasure in. And then uh, just moving forward, I would say building relationships with my teammates and the training staff. You know, we co- constantly talk and you know, build that relationship from there. It's it's something that's really special to me. You know, like I said in, in interviews and other things, like my parents aren't from Canada. You know, my grandmother came over uh, from Jamaica and built a life here. And Canada gave us an opportunity to have a better life, you know. And right. so that's really special to me that I'm allowed to, you know, pay it forward and actually do something that represents the country that gave me an opportunity. No, that's beautiful, man. And, uh, I know as a fan and a supporter, I always like to see, you know, new players get an opportunity with the senior team. I think that's, I think that's important. I think it, it drives the depth and the, and the talent pool and, um, of the guys in our, in our country. And, you know, we got a lot of great hoopers that could play for Canada and, uh, for whatever reason, sometimes injuries, whatever new guys come in. And I was, uh, I was excited to see you make the team and play, um, I was happy for you to to go to China and play in the World Cup. Uh, what was what was that tournament like as an experience? It was that was you know you're in the World Cup you you, you always see that on TV FIFA World Cup FIFA World Cup it's yeah. really cool, man especially in China where they man they're fanatical about basketball so it was just an experience that was was was, was bar none. I, you know, I tell stories about being in like the food line to go get food and you have like Aaron Baines and. Yeah. Matthew Dovo and these guys standing in the food line in front of you and you're like, you know, this can't get better than this. And then you go and you play in front of 20,000 people and, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely the World Cup was an experience that I'll never forget. And what was it like to play for uh, Nick Nurse as a coach there? Man, it was unbelievable. That He instills confidence in his players like I've never seen before. You know, and the way he understands basketball, I thought like, I would never – here, you know, I played for Dave Smart, who understands basketball like none other. Right. And then meeting somebody that understands the same level, it's like, you know, there's three people that I know know basketball, like back of your hands. Dave Smart, Nick Nurse, and Nate Mitchell. Those three know basketball better than anybody I know. <laughs> and right. being able to play for all three of them has been something that's um, 
really, I'm really grateful for. And, you know, just a quick story about Nick and him instilling confidence in his players. He would like, I'd come off a ball screen and if they switch, I would try and, you know, throw the ball in the post or, or something. And he would be telling me like, shoot it, shoot it from 30, like shoot it from way back, shoot it. Yeah. That's a good shot. That's a good shot. I want you to shoot it. And I'd never heard that in my life, you know, like he's telling me to shoot it from Steph Curry range and instilling that confidence. Like you can make that, shoot it, you know, and I think that's something that's really special. You could see it with the Raptors teams when they're so successful. Yeah. And you know what, like just from obviously an outsider um, and following uh, the national team in the program and, you know, watching the Raptors, he's just, he just comes across as a guy that, you know, guys want to play for and compete for. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a cool guy. He likes to play his music. And, um, you know, I think Canada has embraced him and he's embraced Canada. And, you know, when they announced him as a head coach, um, shortly after the finals there, you know, and then leading into, um, you guys going to China, I just thought, okay, now just from a coaching standpoint and maybe some, um, maybe a little rock star mentality a little bit. I thought, wow, this is great for the program. Uh, I thought he was going to be able to really connect with a lot of guys. So uh, that's, that's cool to hear, you know, your experiences with him. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's a, like you said, he's a cool dude. Like I remember we were in warm ups before a game and we all had to put a song in that we, our favorite song. And it was like, his was like, welcome to jam rock by like one of the Marley, you know, and yeah. he's coming yeah. out to it. And I'm just like, this guy's, this guy's amazing, you know? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Like that, like he's really down to earth. You know, he could have came in and been like, you know, a little standoffish and stuff, but he wasn't. And that's something that, you know, we all appreciate it. That's cool. And I, I just want to bring up a little point. I don't know if you've had a chance to see this being over there in France there, but so far for every game he's coached with the Raptors to the start of their season, He's rocked a, a Canada basketball uh, face mask there, and uh, lots of people are kind of talking about that through the broadcast. So he's uh, he's showing some commitment, and he's showing where he's looking forward to perhaps uh, this year. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's cool. Um, Keza, I just want to touch on um, some ideas about Canada basketball with you. And I was scrolling across your your Instagram, and you were show, you had pictures on there from your time with Canada basketball at camp and practice there from 2019. And, it, you know, you got Andrew Nicholson in the background, Kyle Landry, Dwayne Notice, they've both been on Canada Hoops. Um, you know, it kind of speaks to camaraderie and depth that our country has. Um, you know, it's uh, it's players like yourself that answer the call repeatedly to not only play in the qualifiers, but to, you know, make sure that Canada qualified for the World Cup. Um what is it about just everybody willing to do whatever it takes to just further the program, uh, you know, regardless of the circumstance? And you had guys flying from all over uh, the world into playing the qualifiers to make sure we qualified for the World Cup with no guarantee that they're going to make that roster. Just Can you just talk about that, you know, that brotherhood and that commitment to just make sure that got done? Yeah, I think a lot of us understand at this point, you know, like we haven't been to the Olympics since 2000. And it, it's not about one person. It's about a unit getting us back to that place. And at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about whoever. It's about who's going to allow Canada basketball to be successful. So 
if I don't get called to go to the World Cup or to go to the Olympics, I would be cheering for the guy that's there just as loud as if I was there. Because yeah, sure. I just want to see Canada on the, the podiums with the gold medal eventually, you know, and that's my, that's what I think is the most important thing. And I think we all understand that, you know, we understand that when guys like Jamal and RJ and Shea are going to be there, right. you know, my opportunity might not be as, as great, right? But it's, those guys are, are top players that deserve that opportunity to allow us to get to the podium. And, uh, you know, I think all of us understand that. And I think that's what shows how Canadian we really are. You know what I mean? I think that's one thing that, you know, they always say Canadians are very unselfish, we're polite. That's just how we were raised, you know? And I think that's something that right. um, is going to push this program to be where it needs to be, you know, in 2021 now, in 2024, Olympi- uh, 2024 Olympics, where right. we're going to know a hey, Canada's coming. Yeah, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, I just, I love the fact that we can draw from so many guys to come in and create this pool. And I, I hope that, uh, you know, the, the qualifying tournament can get going in Victoria. Uh, I try, I plan to be there with Canada hoops. Um, do you, do you anticipate like is Canada basketball in touch with you constantly right now when you're overseas, just kind of seeing how you're doing and, you know, uh, I guess my question is, A, are they doing that? And then do they talk about, or maybe you're not allowed to let me know, but are they going to bring in a lot of guys, say, into camp to create a pool where it just creates this big competition level and then they, they'd have to narrow it down to a team? Yeah, we're in, we're in constant talks. We have uh, calls where Coach Nick comes on the call and talks to us about you know, what's going on know what the plan is and there's probably around 50 of us that are on this call and uh, you know and stuff like that and usually we always do have uh, a bunch of guys at training camp you know usually we have teams where we have you know Canada A, Canada B, everybody comes in and we play against each other and kind of build that camaraderie that we know we need to have and you know I I think at this point it's it's always we're always going to have those guys everybody's going to come together because we just want to be in the same area and competing you know i think that's what camp basketball does anytime we usually do training camp what um there was one other picture i really i really enjoyed on your ig and it's uh it's cory joseph kind of leaning on you at practice uh you know what's it been like to to learn under a guy like that i mean he's so respected um, he's done whatever it it takes to to suit up for Canada, and I, I know you know him from the Pickering area. But uh, that picture stood out because, hey, I'm a big fan of Corey. Um, I think he's been just a soldier. And then, you know, just for a guy like yourself playing the same position, what's it been like to just learn under him and, and really pick his brain? It's been great. It's actually uh, funny. Is the, when I was really young, so. Corey, when he was in the ninth and 10th grade, he went to Pickering High. And I lived in that area. So I used to wake up at like, they used to work out in the morning, him and his brother. And my dad and his dad know each other. So my dad wanted me to see how they shoot. So I used to wake up at like six in the morning and my dad would make me run to Pickering High from our house. And we would take Corey and DeVoe's jump shots and we'd rewatch it and see how they shot the ball and how they worked out and stuff like that. And then push forward and now we're on the same team and and doing things like this. So it's crazy to think that that's how far, you know, we've known each other and, and gone back. Um, and he's, he's the pioneer for 
you know, him, like after Steve Nash, it's, it's that era of him, Tristan, yeah. you know, Mike Kabongo, that kind of led that next wave of Canadian basketball players going to the States and yeah. going to high school and going to be McDonald's all American. So it's like, we have to give him his flowers, you know, uh, a lot. Because he, he is what, if there wouldn't be these 24 or 25 NBA players that are Canadian now, if it wasn't for Corey, Tristan, in that class, you know, and yeah. I think uh, that's really important that we acknowledge him for what he's given to this game for Canada basketball. Yeah, I agree, man. You, you can't put that any better. I think, uh, you know, they've done so much and they need to be celebrated as much as, as we can, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, Keza, man, uh, I like to ask everybody when they come on, you know, who their top five for Canada basketball is. So can you give me uh, Keza's top five? Okay, so I'm going to go Steve Nash, one. All right. Uh, I'll go Kuchkin, two. Okay. I'll go Andrew Wiggins, three. All right. Four, Jamal Murray, five. Oh, I like it, man. That's nice. Yeah, that's my top five. I like it. Everybody's... uh, Five is different that's come on. I mean, Steve's always kind of a constant guy, but uh, I always get excited to hear everybody's five, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, was, uh, any, any shout-outs to family or friends or anything, man? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited to do this because hopefully my, I know my family back home will get to listen to this. So it's going to be great for uh, for them, and, you know, I'm happy that they're allowed to hear. Well, man, uh, appreciate you coming on. I was excited uh, to sit down and chat with you. Like I said, I've been a big fan, and, uh, you know, I want to wish you nothing but the best uh, moving forward. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Um, You know, I hope you get an opportunity to play for Canada again, and, uh, you know, you'll always be a friend of Canada Hoops there, Keza. Appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. Uh, All right, man. Take care. Yeah, all, all the best, man. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, that's a wrap on the 10th episode of Canada Hoops. I want to thank Keza Kajami Keen for pulling up. I want to thank you for listening. We appreciate the support. Continue to download us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, I'm your boy, Maddie. Thank you for listening to Canada Hoops.